0: Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What is good, Packers Nation? Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I am your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thank you so much for being here today don't always get to thank you guys a ton in the comments as much as I would like, but I just wanted to take a quick second to thank you for all of the likes, the comments, the subscriptions, all of it. You guys are the absolute best. So just wanted to give you guys a quick thank you. Let's jump into today's episode and start with practice. First and foremost, you had two new Packers out there practicing. We got to see James Robinson wearing number 24 running back. Exciting to see him out there, you know, nothing dynamic in the little bit that we saw in individual drills, but I thought he looked good. He looks spry and it's in, you know, just exciting to see him in a Packers jersey and see what he can bring to the table. Patrick Taylor signed with the Patriots to their practice squad. So he officially, officially, officially will not be back in Green Bay right now, uh, but they get another option to take that spot. And Robinson has some experience, certainly running the football, but also in pass protection, catching the ball out of the backfield. And Matt LaFleur was asked about Emmanuel Wilson and what he needs to do to get more carries on Tuesday, or excuse me, on Wednesday. And his response, you could tell was basically that he doesn't have everything down quite yet. And I'm paraphrasing here, quite clearly, but you could tell it's more more or less that he just doesn't have the pass blocking and all of the other stuff down. It's not so much running the football, but all the other things that go into that position. James Robinson has all of that. It'll be really interesting this week to see, do they go with just their top three backs, meaning Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Emmanuel Wilson, knowing what LaFleur just kind of said about Wilson, or with Robinson's experience, Do they use the three elevations on James Robinson to elevate him three times and then see what he's got left? Maybe they want to activate him or do then they pull up another running back to the practice squad and elevate him three times? What this does seem like at this point is a pretty legitimate red shirt season for Emmanuel Wilson. They've had the opportunity to let him go and maybe keep a Patrick Taylor instead on a couple different occasions. And they haven't done that. It looks like Emmanuel Wilson is here to stay this season. And this is going to be more or less that redshirt year where he's just kind of learning in the background and they're gonna hope that he's more ready to go next year. Now, there could come a time and a place where if injuries hit or other things happen that he could be called on to carry the rock this year. That's still within the realm of possibility But right now, it seems like in an ideal world, he is fully redshirted, and now we'll see what that means for James Robinson. Meanwhile, Anthony Johnson, no, not Anthony Johnson Jr., the safety, Anthony Johnson, the cornerback, was also at his first practice wearing number 30. Didn't get as much of a chance to watch him just, you know, kind of going through the cornerback drills before we get kicked out of practice, but he made his Packers debut at practice as well. The bigger news is that Quay Walker was back practicing, which is great to see especially with where Devondre's at Matt LaFleur called Devondre Campbell doubtful for this week I would not expect him to go he doesn't seem particularly close as I kind of mentioned the other day maybe that can turn around and as Matt LaFleur will always say they'll give him till the end of the week and up until Denver to see if he can go but right now it doesn't seem likely and as again Matt LaFleur said he's doubtful but in that case you did not want to have to go into this game with Eric Wilson and Isaiah McDuffie as your top two linebackers, the fact that Quay was practicing in any capacity and just the way he was moving even earlier this week would seem to indicate that he's going to be ready to go for Denver, which would be massive again with Devondre Campbell being out. So great to see Quay back and practicing. Um, Darry I think it was, uh, wrote an article about how Quay is, is coming along and making a step I agree with that. Go check out that article. I believe it was over on Packer Report. Um, there's so many like awesome people writing about the Packers and stuff I see come across my timeline every single day. I didn't have a chance uh, to actually go out and read it, but I saw him tweet about it. It was on Packer Report, now that I'm double thinking of it here. But um, go out and check that out. But I do agree with him just on the premise. I do think Quay has taken a legitimate step this season. And I don't think it's necessarily gone under the radar. And don't get me wrong. There are still some things in the run game that Quay can do much better. But I do think he has taken a legitimate step from last year to this year. And his presence out in the field is noticeable. And it's going to be hopefully great to see him back against Denver this upcoming week. Meanwhile, the two players not practicing, Luke Tenuta, who is on IR and is still in that rehab group. Remember, he is eligible to return at any time that they want to open up a practice window and get him back practicing. He has not done that as of yet, so he remains on IR and with the rehab group and Devondre Campbell with the rehab group as well. But overall, and I know it's coming off basically almost like a double buy or a buy and then a game and then another buy, but it's great to see this Green Bay team just getting back healthy There's a legitimate chance that they could go into this game where really the only players that they're missing, we'll see what this means for Eric Stokes. We don't know yet, but he has continued to practice. If Stokes does get activated this week, really, if you look at it, the the only players that you're missing are really, you know, what Luke Tenuta, Devondre Campbell, Tyler Davis, David Bakhtiari, those would really be the only four with Davis and Tenuta having varying... And Davis had a role specifically on special teams, so I don't want to mitigate that in any significant way. But it would be Devondre and and you know Bakhtiari that if you were going into the season, you would say you were most concerned about. Most teams are going to have a handful of injuries if you've only got two, I know those are two important players in in Campbell and and obviously in Bakhtiari, but that's a pretty short injury list, all things considered at this point in the season. And it's, it's about time, right? Green Bay has deserved some injury luck and hopefully they can get some injury luck through the remainder of this season. All right. So we are coming off the bye week and it gets talked about all the time. All right, what happens in the bye week? You do your self-scout and you're going to figure out the things that you do well, the things you need to work on, and you're going to make some changes based on the results of your self-scout and self-evaluation, and then you're going to hope to perform better through the remainder of this season. So what I figured I would do today was to do a self-scout, a more statistical-based self-scout of the Green Bay Packers so far this year. There's there's a couple different things that you look at when you're doing a self-scout. The biggest thing I think is the tape. And We've gone through that. You know we've broken down the tape. We've talked about it with Mike Wall. We talked about it with Justice Mosqueda. I go through my grades every week. We've been pretty consistent here on the podcast of the things that are going wrong from a tape standpoint, just needing a higher level of det- attention to detail, better execution, a little bit more physicality, something in the run game that can open up some holes and just, again, the the pad level and technique along the offensive line. We've gone through the tape in pretty great detail already. So I'm going to put the tape aside for this specific episode, and what I want to focus on more is the statistical analysis. And what Green Bay would look at more would be sort of the trends. What are they doing well? What are they not doing well? We're going to go through a lot of that. Anything that they are noticing from a, we're running right too much, or when we use this personnel, we're always doing this and all of that. I'm not going to go into that granular of detail but I did want to look from a more statistical side of thing and some advanced statistics at some numbers that are telling of where this Green Bay Packers team is through five weeks. And then at the end of the episode, I'm going to go through five things on offense and five things on defense that I think can help cure some of these things that are going wrong after we've identified them as part of our self-scout this week. So let's start on the defensive side of the ball and some of the things that are not going great. I want to say though, before I go through all of that, I actually highly suggest you go through some of the statistical and advanced statistical data for the defensive side of the ball. It's it's either average or in some cases actually good. There's some good stuff. I'm going to give you a couple of good stats in just a moment of, of some things that I think are interesting, but the defensive side from an advanced analytical and statistical standpoint, not too shabby. Now, we know the opponents that they've played. We get that. Again, I'm not hanging any banners for the defense so far, but there's some pretty good stuff. But today's not about really the good stuff. Today's about the stuff that Green Bay needs to improve upon and get better at. So let's talk about some things on defense that have been a struggle so far. The first statistic I want to go over. 38.2% of defensive drives have ended in an offensive score going against Green Bay's defense. That is the 12th most in the NFL so far. With all of these statistics that we're gonna go through today, it is worth noting that Green Bay has played one less or one fewer games than just about everyone else. There have been a handful of other teams with buys, but just remember that as we go through that. But that's why the majority of the stats that I'm gonna go through today are a percentage-based and not just a pure individual statistic because they have played that one fewer game. But 38.2% of defensive drives have ended in an offensive score. Again, 12th most in the NFL. So that means when teams do get the ball, over a third of the time, they are scoring in some capacity. Now that might just be a field goal. There can be some bend but don't break that's involved in that, but they're giving up the, the 12th most uh, you know, percentage of offensive drives that are resulting in some sort of scoring play, and I think we sort of feel that organically when we're watching this team. There's not a ton of drives against Green Bay's defense. It's more of these long drives that can sometimes take a huge percentage of the clock and go down and they score points. And again, you look at it at the end of the day and it's like, well, they only had four scoring drives, but they only had, you know, six, seven, eight drives throughout the course of the game. And you end up with this high percentage of drives that ended up in scores. So 38.2%. And that is again, 12th most in the NFL. They are allowing 4.3 rushing yards per attempt, which is the 11th most in the NFL. Now, some good news there. Remember, they were at five yards per carry a season ago, so it's better. They have cut that down a little bit, and it's no longer in like the bottom five of rushing yards allowed per attempt in the NFL. It's still the 11th most, though, and 4.3 is still not a winning success rate from a defensive side of the ball. And we always talk about some of the key players that are on this defense, whether it be Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Devontae Wyatt, Kenny Clark. I would even go as far as to say TJ Slayton and, you know, Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell. This is a defensive front that has a lot of money, time, effort, energy, draft picks, everything else invested into it. Lucas Van es, we can go on and on this needs to be a defensive front that's better against the run. And right now giving up the 11th most yards per attempt on the ground is not a great way to have success in the NFL. And that's why you get some of these long drives and that's why your efficiency on defense is really poor. Again, it's not as bad as it was last year. That's a small step. It's not a bottom five run defense in the NFL. That's a small step, but it's still basically in the bottom third of run defenses in the NFL. Additionally, They are giving up 143.4 rushing yards per game, which is somehow only fifth most in the NFL. It feels like it should be more than that, but they are giving up the fifth most rushing yards per game in the NFL. This is even coming off a game where they played a Raiders offense that's not notoriously known for running the football. Against the Saints, they went against Kendra Miller. They didn't even have to go against Alvin Kamara or Jamal Williams. It's not like They've played the best of the best. The the Bears in Week One do not boast a phenomenal runner, and in even against the um well, against the Falcons, obviously you had uh, you know Bijan Robinson, Algier. They actually held down pretty well in that game, and against Detroit. It was David Montgomery who wasn't extremely efficient, but did have a good game overall, but it's not like they've played the best of the best running backs outside of Bajan Robinson in the NFL and still allowing 143.4 rushing yards per game. Again, fifth most in the NFL, obviously a clear issue. The next one I want to go over is fourth down percentage. That's not normally one, just because there's usually not that many. But this is a pretty telling stat for Green Bay. Go look in their third down percentage. They are really, really good in third downs so far this season. When they get into third, you know, really any third down, but specifically third and longs, Green Bay's been getting off the field, at least, or they, I should maybe better put, they've been getting to fourth down. However, their fourth down percentage allowed is 80%. They've had 10 fourth down attempts by the opposing offense, and they have allowed eight out of 10 conversions. On those fourth downs, the highest rate in the NFL. It is a relatively small sample size, which fourth down conversions usually are, but eight out of 10. And you talk about a team who was in a close game with the Saints. They were in a close game with the Falcons. They were in a close game with the Raiders. And those possessions where if they go from fourth down to not scoring, very clearly could be the difference in the game. We don't even need to look further than the Atlanta Falcons game when they had the fourth down attempt where Desmond Ritter kept the ball and Rashawn Gary bit inside and Ritter ran in for a touchdown. You don't think that changes the outcome of that game? That instead of a turnover on downs, Green Bay's ball is seven points for the Falcons. I don't think they went for two after that. Maybe they did. Maybe they got six. Maybe they got eight. Whatever it was, they got a touchdown on that drive. But that's a huge, huge difference in that game where if you get them off the field on fourth down, you are taking over the ball and not giving up any points and probably winning that game. So the fourth down conversions for the Packers on defense have been a huge issue. And it's great to have a high success rate on third down, but a lot of times we've seen with this defense, and we can point to numerous occasions, I forget, I don't know if it was Justice Mosqueda, or maybe it was Peter Bukowski, it was somebody Who said, like, there's maybe it was Nagler. I don't know. It was somebody said there's there's not a a defense in the world that loves giving up 12 yards on you know third and thirteen more than the Green Bay Packers. Like it seems like they are okay with conceding one yard short of the marker. That's not good enough in the modern NFL, especially with Operation Tush Push in uh, in the game today. Those are going to get converted far more often than not, and we are seeing teams come up with some creative stuff off the Tush Push, where if you are selling out to stop the QB Tush Push, you are allowing yourself to get outflanked to the outside, and Green Bay has been susceptible to that on numerous occasions as well. You can't just allow the 10 yards on third and 11 or nine yards on third and 10, whatever it is, to get to that fourth and one. But whatever the case may be, whether it be you know tightening up on third down so you're not allowing the teams to be in manageable fourth down situations, or whether it's just being better on those fourth down situations, something has to give because those can be the difference between wins or losses for this young Green Bay team. 80% is unacceptable. And that's something that's going to have to get better moving forward. Next, they are allowing 6.5 average plays per drive, which is the third most in the NFL. And this goes back to the efficiency on defense. Yeah, it's, it may be that they are allowing only the 12th most you know, um, percentage of drives that end up in a score, but they are allowing these huge elongated drives. 6.5 plays per drive is a lot of plays on average per drive. And that's indicative of it being the third most drives allowed of any team in the NFL or plays per drive in the NFL. That just shows you that the off- the opposing offense is keeping the ball and keeping the defense on the field, keeping the offense out on the sideline and getting them out of their rhythm, and meanwhile, wearing down the Packers' defense. And we've talked about that on numerous occasions of how it's so important that Green Bay really tightens up and make sure that they're not giving up those big drives because it's having this you know really negative effect on the rest of the team. And just the morale, the fans in the stands, everyone's just, it's, it's death by a thousand paper cuts, and it shows in the advanced statistics here. Additionally, they're allowing three minutes per drive, average time allowed per drive, three minutes, which is the seventh most in the NFL. So teams are bleeding the clock against Green Bay, which again is indicative of the efficiency or lack thereof, amount of plays, and just again, death by a thousand paper cuts. Additionally, they only have five takeaways on the season, which is tied for fourth worst. I'll note again, they've had one less game than a lot of the other teams. So they could increase that a little bit with the uh, difference in games there, but still only five takeaways in five games and overall five takeaways is tied for fourth worst in the NFL. And that's just one per game at this point, which is not ideal from a defensive side of things. So many of you probably know that Damian Lillard was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks and as soon as I found out I had to get opening day tickets immediately and I will be there at that game because I use game time and even got to use code pack a day for $20 off, which made it even more sweet. The process was so insanely simple. They have these flash deals and you can click on the different areas of the stadium to see which prices are available. You can see the actual view of the seats. It was hassle free and just super, super simple. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals as well. You can forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Event. Get exclusive flash deals and tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The Game Time Guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without all the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Packaday for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Packaday for $20 off. Download Game Time today last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on PrizePicks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. From a positive side of things, or at least an interesting side of things, For those who are thinking that maybe this defense is just a soft, non-pressure defense, they have a thirty-six point one percent blitz percentage, which is actually the sixth most in the NFL. So Joe Barry has been bringing some pressure. The pressure can be or blitzing can be measured in a few different ways. I don't know, like if they line up in a three, like three defensive linemen and two, you know, edge rushers, and all five come, you know, it's considered a blitz in most cases it'll be interesting to see how that is more parsed out but overall they're bringing pressure they're bringing more guys than you know normal and having the sixth best pressure percent or excuse me blitz percentage in the NFL which leads to the next one they have 11.0% hurry percentage which is the sixth most in the NFL as well So they are getting hurries and pressures on opposing quarterbacks, partially due to them blitzing, but their efficiency up front on the defensive line and at the edge position has actually been pretty good, at least compared to their NFL brethren. And then additionally, they're allowing only 1.95 points per drive, which is tied for 14th best in the NFL. Not great, but okay. 1.95 1.95 points per drive. But then we go back to, all right, but you're allowing these really long drives and bleeding the clock and sapping your defense and taking any momentum away from your offense. That is sort of the bigger issue here is that efficiency side of things, not necessarily the points per drive. It's just, it's all encompassing that you're allowing these really long drives that usually end up in scores or at least at a higher percentage than the rest of the NFL. So that is what needs to be worked on defensively or some of the negatives overall defensively. Let's jump to the offensive side of the ball. On offense, they are allowing 3.5 yard or they're gaining 3.5 yards per attempt rushing, which is tied for 25th in the NFL. No surprise there. The run game has been abysmal. In fact, I'm very surprised it's as good as 25th based on what we've seen through 5 games so far, but 3.5 yards per attempt, 20 tied for 25th in the NFL. 2.0 yards before contact per attempt, tied for 28th in the NFL. Which that's indicative of the offensive line just not opening up anything. Doesn't matter if it's AJ Dillon or any other running back; they're just not getting any yards before contact. Only 2.0, tied for 28th. Meanwhile, your Arizona Cardinals of all teams are at 4.0 yards per contact or yards uh, before contact per attempt, double. Of what Green Bay is doing in the running game. That is massive. I mean, it's just crazy to think that the Cardinals are getting four yards on every carry before they're even being touched. And Green Bay is getting two yards on every carry before they're getting touched. That is a huge, huge difference and something that Green Bay needs to massively improve upon. They're at 81.6 rushing yards per game, which is 27th in the NFL. So they need a lot better you know, rushing you know, rushing attempts, rushing yardage, rushing per attempt, all of it, the run game in a nutshell, very, very bad. From a passing standpoint, they have a 55.6% completion percentage, 32nd in the NFL, dead last, worst, however you want to put it, their completion percentage, not good enough by any stretch of the imagination. Part of that is a 5.6% drop rate, which is the 7th highest in the NFL, or at least tied for the 7th highest in the NFL. So receivers need to do a better job of catching the football. Meanwhile, they want to know why that completion percentage may be low. We just talked about the drops, but their average depth of target is 9.8 yards down the field, the highest in the league. So they're throwing down the field more than any other team in the NFL. If you want to know what might be good from a yards per, or, you know, depth of target uh, on, you know, each pass, the 49ers and Dolphins, two of the best offenses, are at 7.6 average depth of target. Green Bay's at 9.8. That's a, it may not sound like a lot, but that's a significant difference. And Green Bay probably needs to, you know, not take quite as many big play opportunities down the field and just try to be a bit more efficient. Their 3.7% interception percentage is the fourth most in the NFL. Their 77.3 quarterback rating is the 27th in the NFL. They have 22.5 receptions per broken tackle from a receiving standpoint, 24th in the NFL. So what that means is it takes 22.5 receptions by the Packers receivers, that includes running backs, tight ends and receivers before they break a tackle. So they'll break one tackle every 22.5 receptions, 24th in the NFL. That needs to be better. They're averaging 5.3 plays per drive, 30th in the NFL, 25.1 yards per drive, 26th in the NFL, and only 2 minutes and 25 seconds time of possession per drive in the NFL, 30th overall. That is all of it. The efficiency there, the time of possession, the yards per drive, the yards per play per drive, all of it really, really, really bad, which just speaks to the inefficiency on offense. Now, from a Jordan Love standpoint, he is at negative 6.9% completion percentage on offense per, uh, or I should say like, um, it, it's a uh, completion percentage over expected, CPOE, negative 6.9 CPOE per next gen stats, worst for all quarterbacks in the NFL. So if you have like an expected, I think he's there's somewhere around like a 62% expected completion percentage, and he's at like uh, 55, that's a negative 6.9% completion percentage. Or in that case, it would be like negative seven, but you get my point. That's why, like, if you're talking about, again, this is an advanced analytic to show this is what they would expect based on all of their, uh, numbers that go into their system based off of the computer chips and everything else that based on how open wide receivers are on a given play, they would expect X for completion percentage. So in this case, it was like 62 point something, and Love was at 55 point something, something to that extent, which is a negative 6.9. Again, worse than the NFL. Part of that is drops, receivers being in the wrong spot, all of it. I get that this is a young offense and it's not just on Jordan, but the end result is the worst in the NFL. And the same thing in the running game. AJ Dillon. If you go, you know, rushing yards over expected, Dylan is at negative 0.79 per next gen stats. So if you are looking at what he has to work with, this has nothing to do with poor offensive line. This is based on what he's getting. They would expect him to be here and he's at negative 0.79 yards per every single rush. So he's almost gaining, you know, it's not quite a yard, but you get the point of like almost like a yard less every single time he rushes the ball than what he should be getting. That is fourth worst in the NFL. And this is like explained by Matt LaFleur in his press conferences recently where they're basically saying like, we will have a perfect play called and we're getting the bare minimum off of it and we need to make better plays. And I think Adam Stenovich doubled down on that and said, not only are we getting the bare minimum on our good calls, we are not having players bail anything out on a bad call and just go make a play. And you get to that and you just get to this extreme inefficiency and it shows in sort of the expected, you know, yards per attempt in both Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon's case, it is far, far, far below average. So those are sort of the issues that exist right now on offense and on defense. The bigger thing then becomes on your self-scout, on your bi-week report, is what do you do to fix it? So let's go on defense first. Number one, and we talked about it a little bit, is some of that fourth down defense. But I want to put third down defense along with it. It's kind of what I mentioned before: of it's not just giving up nine yards on third and ten, because you have to know in the modern NFL that their teams are going to go for it on fourth down and short, and they're more, you know, they're going to get it more often than not, as we've seen, you know, indicated in the eighty percentage of time or eighty percent of times that they've got it against Green Bay which is a huge number, they need to be better on third down to make sure that they're not picking up the what free yardage and getting in a manageable fourth down situation. And then they need to be better on fourth down. Because like I said, just go to that Atlanta game. You are better on fourth down in that game. You're probably three and two right now. And there's probably some situations that I'm not even thinking of off the top of my head against the Raiders game as well. I think there was the one play where they pitched outside on a fourth down and picked up a first down. Or uh, there was, I know, uh, a play on fourth down where they did the little like jet sweep against Green Bay too. Those are big plays in that game. If you don't convert those, Green Bay gets the ball and has the opportunity. That's a turnover worthy play, but Green Bay can't get off the field in those situations. So that is number one that needs to be better. Number two is that turnover percentage. Matt LaFleur has said he wants to be plus two in the turnover margin every single game. You know, they're not there at all. And on defense, they're only generating one turnover per game. Even if, even if Green Bay did not turn the ball over on offense, they're not even anywhere close to that plus two because they aren't generating turnovers on defense. They need to be better at generating turnovers, being more opportunistic. How many dropped interceptions? Quay had the one, Jair had the one. There's probably other ones that I'm not thinking about too, but when the ball gets thrown to you, you got to make sure that you are taking advantage of it and not giving those gifts away because those can also be game-changing plays. It's another thing against Atlanta where you take care of that side of things. And we're probably talking about an extra win against Atlanta and a very different three and two Packer team rather than a two and three Packer team. All right. Next is you have to commit to better run defense. We know that based on the tape. But you want to talk about the time of possession, the yards per carry, and just some of the efficiency that the opposing offenses have had, you have to commit a little bit more to run defense. It's great that your pass defense has some decent analytics and just advanced metrics and statistics but it doesn't really matter all that much if the opposing team's rushing for 150 yards per game and keeping you completely off balance while also keeping you on the field. So they're just gonna have to commit more to stopping the run. If that means bringing an extra guy up, so be it. There's gonna be some downsides to that as well, but they've gotta find a way to get the other team off the field and not being as efficient running the football. Number four is just continue to pressure and blitz the quarterback. That's been working well, so don't change that. Continue to be aggressive where you can and let Rashawn Gary hopefully get some more snaps and continue to get to the quarterback at an extremely high level. And then finally, from a defensive side of things, Green Bay's offense needs to be better. They need to help the defense out by scoring more and having more ball control. That Packers defense is on the field so freaking much with either a very minimal lead or more often than not a tie game or playing from behind. And what that does is it puts the entire menu out there for the opposing offense. And now as a defense, what you want to do always is make the opposing team predictable. And you are constantly battling against, they have their entire menu of plays open, run, pass, RPO, play action. They can do whatever the heck they want. So Green Bay's offense needs to do a better job of helping out the Packers defense to help them be successful. Help me help you. That's where we're at right now. So the five fixes on defense, fourth down defense, better turnover percentage, commit more to the run, continue to pressure and blitz the quarterback uh, when appropriate. And they need some help from their offense on the defensive side of the ball. All right. From an offensive side of things, the five things Jordan Love talks about finding those completions. And he's sort of talked about in his media availability on Wednesday of just kind of taking some of the easier stuff rather than going kind of big game hunting and looking for those big plays down the field. That can help quarterback rating. That can help completion percentage. That can help efficiency. That can help time of possession. That can help a lot of those things that we talked about that were issues just by finding the easy throw and keeping kind of the you know, keeping momentum, keeping the chains moving and just keeping yourself an easy down in distances. I think that efficiency factor can be a huge thing for Jordan Love to improve on in the second half of the season or after the bye week, whatever we want to call it. I do think number two, the return of Jones and Watson is going to be huge. I think that's going to help completion percentage. And when I say Watson, I mean to more of a full-time, he didn't play much of the first five weeks. Jones only played in really week one. He played a little bit in Detroit, but you get my point. But I think that will help the completion percentage, the broken tackles, the running efficiency, all of those things that Green Bay needs help with. Getting those two back, hopefully full-time should help with that quite a bit. Number three, the running game has to be more efficient. And that's what we talked about from a tape standpoint of the things that need to get done better. This is a technique thing with the offensive line. It's partly how they're put together as well and not having some maulers and some movers on that line. But you know what? You can be successful as a running team in a zone blocking scheme without having maulers and movers. You just have to have great attention to detail. This is more a film thing and an X's and O's thing than it is a analytical thing. But they've got to find a way, like the... The analytical thing is they got to find a way to be more efficient running the ball. The X's and O's and the technique is why they haven't been efficient and is what they're going to need to do to get better moving forward. Number four, less big game hunting overall. Let's take that yards per pass attempt or the air yards per pass attempt where you're attempting like 10 yards down the field. Let's shorten that up a little bit, get Jordan some easier completions. Again, get the offense in rhythm, let Jordan, and as he mentioned, take some of those easier throws, let the playmakers do the heavy lifting and just try to get this offense a little bit more structured and a little bit easier rather than trying to do so much down the field. And then number five is just continuing to develop the rhythm and timing with the you know young quarterback matched up with these young wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends. It's going to take some time. It's going to take uh, you know, more than just this one year for those guys all to be in rhythm together. But the hope is that we see progress through the remainder of this year, and that should help with the overall efficiency as well. There's actually a decent amount of things that this team is doing well statistically, especially on defense. But- There are a lot of things that they need to improve on. And we discussed a ton of those today and hopefully went through some fixes. Again, the five fixes on offense, find those completions, the return of Jones and Watson is going to help massively. The run game needs to be more efficient, less big game hunting, and con- you know continue to develop that timing and rhythm with Jordan Love and his young weapons. The good news is they should have a great matchup against a pretty darn bad Broncos team this week to hopefully work on all of those things, both on offense and on defense that we just mentioned. And what it all really boils down to, if you had to boil you know this all down to one theme on every side of the ball... It's efficiency. Their defense is inefficient. Their offense is inefficient. There are things that both of them do well, but it's not consistent enough and it's not efficient enough. And that's really this, you know, and Matt LaFleur's talked about it this week. They need to find a better rhythm. They need to be more efficient. They need to play more complimentary football. We've gone through these things verbatim over the past couple weeks. But I think when you look at it analytically and statistically, it even paints a bigger picture. And these are really clearly the things that they're going to have to narrow down and be much better at through the remainder of this season. That's going to do it for me today. Shout out to our all-pro and Hall of Fame members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wilde, Jay Bradad, Arnaldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Lori Lord, and Donald Lee. You guys are the best. I will see you guys again soon, but until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go. <laughs>